This is the greatest love story ever told. A love story worth telling to every generation and to generation yet unborn. A love story that changed the face of our earthly home. The Holy Gospel according to Luke. It happened in those days that a decree went forth from Augustus Caesar that the world should be enrolled in a census. This was the first census when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be enrolled, each to their own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Joseph was of the house and family of David, so he went to be enrolled with Mary, his promised wife, who was pregnant at that time. And so it happened that while they were there, her time was completed, and she bore a son, her firstborn, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds in that region, camping out at night and keeping guard over their flock. And an angel of God stood before them, and the glory of God shone around them. They were greatly afraid, and the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Behold, I tell you good news, great joy which shall be for all the people, because this day has been born to you in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And here is a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly with the angel there was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those of goodwill. People of God, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Today, the heart of God was clothed in human flesh. What a mystery to behold. You know, while I was preparing this homily a couple days ago, I was sitting in our a dining room, which is adjacent to our patio. And uh, our door, our glass door, can see the panorama of the other side of our of the other side of the creek in which our patio was sitting that on summertime are clothed with the glorious leaves beautiful to behold maple trees cedars as well as the dogwood but as i stood in the dining room 
I saw that the trees are bare, no leaves, and forlorn. You know, it's been uh, almost a decade when I arrived in the United States. I call this land my holy ground. Each time I live in a country and I was in the UN, I always consider myself stepping on the holy ground of each people. When I was in Rwanda, it was the holy ground of the Rwandans. When I was in Ethiopia, I called them the holy ground of the Ethiopians. And here in America, when I came nine years ago, I knew I was stepping on holy ground. And the changing of season never amazed me. So beautiful, coming from a country with only two seasons, the wet and the dry season. The changing of the season always mesmerized me. And on this season of winter, trees are bare. I could see that the other side of our house was a beautiful Victorian home, which I never saw when all the trees are glowed with its glory. Today, God allowed us not only to see the other side, but also allow us to touch and hold the Savior. In the first reading today, in the book of the prophet Isaiah, it says, Beautiful are the feet upon the mountains of the one who bear the good news. Whose feet is that? the feet of that little baby born in a manger. So vulnerable, so small, so helpless. In the second reading from the letter to the Hebrews, it says, In the olden times, God spoke in various ways through the prophets. In the theophany of Sinai, in the Old Testament, when God passes to his people, Moses covered his face because no one saw God and lived. In today's mystery of the incarnation, God removed us that thing that blinds us to see God, He allows us to see His face in that little babe in the manger. There is a footnote in the Gospel today. It says, There was no room for them in the inn. I get this speaks a lot to the life of Jesus into our human existence. The life of God, Jesus, has always followed by that phrase, there was no room for you in the inn. When he was born, there was no room for him and the holy family in the inn. In the gospel passage, it also says, foxes have holes, the birds have nests. But the Son of God has nowhere to lay down his head. 
until the end of his life. There was no room for him in the inn. He was entombed in a borrowed sepulcher. And I guess Luke put that footnote in the gospel because that is our human journey as well. Today, right now, in almost all parts of the world, even in first world countries like the United States, there are people who doesn't have room for them in the inn. When I was in Tokyo, Japan, there are people on the streets. When I was assigned in Geneva, in Switzerland, in the UN, I saw beggars on the street. When I saw Norway and Oslo, there are also homeless people. In Manila, Philippines, people live in the slums and on the streets. In Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, there's so much poverty. In El Paso, Texas, United States, there are people who doesn't have a place in the inn. In coming home here in Dayton, Ohio, there are people who doesn't have a place for them in the inn. I think God knew that the human journey is always a wind-tossed, storm-battered, topsy-turvy world we live in. And that is where he, he entered into human history, in which we call the Christ event. He fully understands the human existence and our deep longing for God. Only God can heal our woundedness. I think I remembered, I told you the story of that time I spent in Ghana. That one day, when I was volunteering in that leprosarium in outside the outskirts of Accra, I arrived in the leprosarium in the office of Mother Elizabeth. And the nurse said, hey, Cesar, Mother is not here today. She is assisting a dying person in the men's dormitory. So I rushed to the dorm, and when I entered the door, I saw Armand, one of my friends, a leper, at the point of death. He was trying to breathe, but he was also trying to say something. I stood there in silence. My eyes was transfixed on that event where Mother Elizabeth was embracing Armand in his dying moment. And Armand was telling Mother Elizabeth, Mother, I think God doesn't love me. Mother said, why Armand? He said, I have always questioned the love of God. I am here in the leprosarium the rest of my life. I was brought by my parents at the age of two. I am a leper. And at this moment that I am breathing my last, I am a leper. Mother Elizabeth, in silence, embraced the man. 
and told him, Armand, I have taken care of you. I have loved you. And he said, yes, mother. But I think my suffering is greater than the suffering of Christ. Mother said, look at the crucifix right now. Look at the blooded face of Christ in the crucifix. Struggling with sweat, blood, and tears at his dying moment. Unrecognizable. Greater than the deformities you have right now. He is unrecognizable in his divinity. Because right there at the cross, he was telling all of us that he loves us. Armand looked at the crucifix and he smiled. I fully understood that I taught Armand fully understood at that moment the love of God. And slowly closing his eyes, he said, I know. And thank you. The creed today, the manger, and the crucifix of Christ on his death find its introspection, the crossroads of the Christ event today. God fully understood the human condition. God knew how it is to be born in this world. He was a baby when he went to exile in Egypt. He lived this life of suffering, but he also knew the greatest and the most exuberant human joy the love of having in a relationship, in a family and friends. But he also knew how to be abandoned, how to be betrayed. He knew the human suffering, that we cannot complain, God, you do not fully understood the human condition. Today, the divine heart has been clothed in human flesh. They said the closest to the heart of God is the, the heart of a mother. The closest to the divine heart is the heart of a mother. That's why probably in our community we call God the Father and Mother God, which is very apt. You know, I, I'll give you a bit of a story of my life. I opened a little bit of my soul. One of my most difficult and darkest moments in my life was when I was edging out from teenage life, going into early adulthood. I grew up in the, in the Philippines, so a family so devoted to Catholicism. My father, a mayor was also devoted in the church. My mom was a teacher, and she was also very active in our parish. I have an uncle who became a priest, and an aunt who joined the Carmelite monastery as a contemplative. They are both dead now. But growing up as a Catholic, I was struggling with being gay. 
I thought I will never be able to tell to my parents who I am as a person, as a human being. So I grew up very confused, hating myself. And I went into college with that situation. And one day when uh, the Christmas break was about to start, me and my classmates, some of my friends went out for a night of painting the town red. <laughs> we went dancing, go to bars, drinking and smoking. But you know what? After all those nights of enjoyment, all of us decided to go home to our dormitory in the university. And I went to my car and I sat there and I just realized how lost I am. I look at the sky at that evening. I'm sorry. It was a starry, starry night. So quiet. But I said to myself, I felt I'm, I felt I'm lost. I didn't know what to do. I said to myself, why not drive and just plunge myself into the Pacific Ocean? I came to that point. I thought of ending my life. I'll drive somewhere and when I reach the bridge nearing the Pacific Ocean, I will plunge my car and nobody would know. Not even my family. I will just simply vanish in the world and no one would know. But you know what? I find myself driving home to my hometown, which is like 150 miles from Manila. I don't know how I was able to drive properly. I wasn't, you know, apprehended by police for DUI or probably driving uh, over speeding. But I was able to come home and you know, our hometown was like in a plateau. And uh, on the way home, you will pass a hill that oversee the beautiful panorama of my hometown. And that night, I stopped on that hill that overlooked my hometown. And I said, wow, this is the town where I was born. They are asleep. Only the street lights can see my struggling spirit. So I drove home and realized right in front of our gate, I said, oh my God, I forgot the key to our gate. So I crawl, I jump into our gated house and start walking the pathways towards home, our house, which was so dark that night. But you know what? I don't know. I said, I don't even have a key, but I approach the door. Maybe mom would, or dad has forgotten to close the door. I hope so, but probably not. But I just went to the door, and when I was about to hold the knob, the door opened on its own. And the light coming from the porch entered into the dark living room. And I saw the face of my mother. And the first word that I heard was, 
Caesar, I know you are coming home. I said, Mom. And I start sobbing and crying. And my mom said, come here, come here. And I cried like a baby. And we both entered the living room, sat in the couch. And I said, Mom, I just don't want to live anymore. And my mom said, say, sir, why? Mom, I said, I'm struggling with this life. I'm gay. And my mom said the most beautiful word I have ever heard in my lifetime. He said, Cesar, me and your dad knew it. You don't have to tell us. But you know what? She took my hands and put it on her breast. And with her fingers pointing to my heart, he said, Cesar, we brought you so well. It doesn't matter whether you're gay or straight like your brothers. We are three brothers. And said, what is important is you are our beloved. I love you with all my heart. You know, that was a grand homecoming. A grand homecoming to myself, a grand homecoming to my mother, a grand homecoming to my family, and a grand homecoming to my God. I was never the same again. And I journey into this topsy-turvy and stormy-battered world with more confidence and love. I was a changed human being, and that determined who I am today. Our journey to life is a grand homecoming. St. Gregory of Nationsus and Athanasius said, The coming of the Savior at the Incarnation is the exchange of gift of humanity and divinity. We gifted our humanity to Christ. And Christ, God, gifted to us his divinity. And I would call this exchange a coming home. God longed to be home with us, not just to pinch our, his tent with us, not just to walk with us, but to be home with us. This is the mystery we celebrate today. He wants us also to be home with God. That is the mystery of the incarnation that we celebrate today. And I hope that we, when we come back home to that heavenly homeland we call heaven, the door will, will open on its own. And we will hear the words, I know you are all coming home. We have a lot of snow the last two days. 
and we are all home. For me, it gave me time, me and my wife, only the two of us at home. It gave me so much time for introspection. When I went out the other day at the midst of the storm because our canopy of our patio was being blown away, I was chilling and it was cold. I was stepping on heavy snow. But I realized, I said to myself, God, thank you for allowing me to see like the snow, so beautiful, pure, pristine, and white the beauty of your incarnation. May we all go back to that pristine, rustic setting of the manger where the beauty of the incarnation was given to us and pointing us somewhere there is home. Someday, when it's time to come home, my my fervent wish and prayer that we will see the door open telling us I know you are coming home. Amen. Amen. I'm open for reflection and comments. <laughs>